your Bibles, please go uh, to Acts 20.35. Acts 20.35. If you don't have your Bible, we have the words on the screens. And this is, uh, this is Paul saying goodbye to uh, some of the elders in the church in, in Ephesus. And he says something very interesting here. It says, In everything I did, I showed you by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself. So Jesus said this, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And so some of you guys know we're on a, we're on a series uh, called Vision Sundays. And we've been talking about the direction of our church. And we've been talking about the general vision of our church. And we've been unpacking each one of our core values. And so we started off with Jesus is our pursuit. And then we talked about hope is our flag, then people are our passion, worship is our spirit, service is our heartbeat, and today we're going to talk about generosity is our privilege. Now, do you get anybody, any of you guys know the artist formerly known as Prince, right? So he said something, I'm not, I've never been a Prince fan, but he said something at an award show that I've never forgotten. He said There's, there are two types of people in the world. He said, there are givers and there are takers. Now, again, not a big fan of Prince, but somehow I've never forgotten that because I think that he tapped into some truth in that, in that thing that he said. Like, what type of a person are you in life? Are you a person that is, that is focused on taking the most advantage out of your life to benefit yourself? Or are you a person who is focusing and asking the question, how can I give away my life, my time, my finances, my resources, my talents? What, what type of a person are you? What type of a person am I? You see, because many of us have this mindset, and this is a tendency that we all have. So we all have certain things. We have time, we have you know, uh, uh, resources, we have different things. And the problem is that sometimes the logic is, and it makes sense, that if I give this away, then I no longer have that which I gave away, so now I have less than what I started with. And that's a natural thing. I mean, as, as children, you know, the first words that we say are me, right, mine, for me. It's natural to want to keep things for you. But one of the signs of a developing child uh, is that you are able now to share and to be with other people and to open yourself up to realizing that the world is not just about you. And so Jesus is teaching this principle. He's saying this. He's saying it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, now blessed, the, 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 the interpretation, the translation of the word blessed literally means happy. So he's saying you will be happier by giving than by receiving. And the problem with one of these principles is that sometimes we, we hear this a lot, you know, in church or as we read the Bible, and, and we can misinterpret it in Christianity and everything that, that we do, that, that Christianity is, is really about doing things that you don't want to do. Like, okay, the Bible says I got to do this, but like, okay, I don't really want to do it, but I'm going to go ahead and do it because the Bible says that I have to do it, period. And so when we talk about different things in our Christian walk, like let's say, let's say greed, right? I got I to gotta not be greedy because I'm not going to be greedy because if I'm, I'm greedy, then I'm not doing what God demands and God demands that I not be greedy, right? Or sexually promiscuous. Like I'm not going to be sexually promiscuous because 
God demands from me that I not be sexually promiscuous. Like selfishness. Like I really want to be selfish, but like God demands that I not be selfish. So since God demands that I not be selfish, then I'm not going to be selfish, right? And the same thing with with violence. Like I really want to just strangle this person, but like God tells me not to, so I'm going to hold back from doing it because this is what God demands. And so this is what I grew up believing that Christianity was all about. And the same thing can be true with, with a life of generosity. Like, I really don't want to be generous. But like, God demands for me to be generous, so fine. I don't really want to do this, but I'm going to go ahead and do it because God demands that I be this way. Now, just making a parenthesis, like, like it is, by the way, a good enough reason to do something just because God demands it. Like, if he says do it, like, you got to do it. Like, that's... I understand that, but that's not what Jesus is saying here, which is very interesting. Jesus is literally saying that it is more blessed to give than to receive. Like, like you'll, be, you'll be happier by giving than by receiving. And I used to read that, and I assumed, okay, who's the one that's going to be happy here? My assumption was God is going to be happier with me if I give rather than if I focus on receiving. Let me reiterate this that I've said before. God is not happy because you're not greedy. He's not happier about you because you're not sexually promiscuous. He's not happier with you because you're not selfish. He's not happier with you because you are not violent. God is happy with you When he looks at you because he sees the perfection of Jesus before he sees you, period, period. So we have to understand that. That's very, very important that the point here is not that God is happier with you when you give than when you receive. What Jesus is saying here is that the person that will be happier when you give than when you receive, it's going to be you you are going to be a happier person as a result of living your life as a generous person because that's the way God created you to live. You see, there's a way in which we are to walk this life, not in order to merely fulfill God's demand or make God happy or to avoid punishment, but our own happiness, which is really interesting because that's the point that Jesus is making. You will be happier by being faithful to your wife rather than, than looking for satisfaction in, in multiple partners. You will be happier if you pursue peace rather than violence. You will be happier if you think of others rather than be selfish. You will be happier if you live a life of generosity rather than being a taker in life. And so, so today I want to talk about the whole idea of... of the happiness that comes as a result of living a life of generosity. And let me just make a parenthesis. This is not a sermon on money, by the way, okay? So some of you you guys were like, okay, here it comes. No, it's not what this message is about. I want to talk to you about living a life of an open life of of generosity with every aspect of your life. And so the way I want to focus this is I want to bring your attention to, to an attitude that if you have this attitude, it will free you to live an open life of generosity and a life of true happiness. Because you can't be happy if you're not a giver. And you cannot be a giver if you don't have an attitude of, this is the point here today, 
of gratitude. I want to invite you to live a life of gratitude. And in order to to invite you to live a life of gratitude, um, I want to bring you to a verse in Scripture, a few verses in Scripture, that, that an experience that Jesus had in uh, Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 18. It's an amazing story. It says this. If you, if you um, don't have your Bibles, we have the Scripture on the screen. It says, Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. As they went, they were cleansed. One of them, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. He was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. So I want to start by, by saying that gratitude starts by understanding this following premise. This, this is it. That you understand that everything that you have, you have received by God. Everything that you have, you have received by God. And truly understanding this principle will change your life if you truly, truly believe this. So I want to set it up like this. So my wife and I, we've been married 20 years. And in 20 years, you really get to know someone. And you, you learn a few things about one another. And one of the things that you learn is that there are certain things that you say and certain things that you never say. One of the things that you never say is this. You're just like your mom. Okay, I learned that very early on. You stay clear from that phrase. No matter how much you want to say it, you better bite your tongue. Okay? So anyway, um, my mother-in-law, she, uh, she passed away a few years ago, and one of the things that she would always do, very frequently, they had a, a white sedan. I think it was like a Camry or a Toyota Corolla or something like that. And so she would always get confused, and she would always open up cars that weren't hers. So she'd be like walking out of the grocery store, and she'd try to open this car, and my wife was always so embarrassed. She's like, Mom, that's not your car. And she's like, oh, oh, oh. And then she'd go, you know, to find the car. Anyway. Fast forward a few years after that, you guys know the direction of the story, um, we're walking out of Target or something like that, and so my wife, she, dri- she drives a black SUV, and so I'm walking along, and she's, she's kind of behind me, I'm going to the car, and all of a sudden, I turn around, and I realize that my wife was, had actually opened the, the door of an SUV that wasn't hers, by the way, and she proceeded to, to start to sit into the car, and I look back, and I'm like, what are you doing? And she's like, What? That's not your car. And she's like, oh, oh. So I should have gotten an award for biting my tongue. So the point I'm trying to make here is that sometimes we try to take ownership over things that aren't ours. Same thing is true, right, in life. The things that we have, our cars, our families, our careers, our finances, our relationships, We have to remember that everything that we have, we have received from God. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. 
1 Corinthians 4, 7 says, for, for who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you have not received? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? You see, the first point I want to make today is that everything that we have, we have received from God. And if you truly believe this and you truly live this, this is going to change your life and it's going to change your perspective and it's going to allow for you to live a life of generosity. But we have to give credit to God and we have to truly give credit to God and not just say that we give credit to God. You see, have you ever seen someone who tries to take credit for something that they didn't do? How, how, what's, your, what's, your, what's your image of that person? Like, do you think more or less of that person? Think less of them. Like, dude, that guy didn't do that. Why is he taking credit for it, right? But on the other hand, when someone deserves the credit for something and yet they give it away, like, no, no, that's all. It's, it was all a team effort, right? What do you think of that person? You think less or you think more of that person? You think more of that person, right? And so the same needs to be true of us and all the things that we have received. We need to give credit to God because in reality, everything that we have, we have received from Him. But this is counterintuitive, and it's hard for us to give God all the glory because the reality is that we've worked for the stuff that we've achieved. Like, we, we feel like, I worked for the car, I worked for our family, our careers, relationships, the house that we own, all of these things. Like, you say, but I worked for it. Like, I... Made all this effort to make this happen, right? But I want to ask you another question. Who gave, who's the one that gave you the opportunity to do the things that you do? Who's the one that gave you the health to be able to achieve the things that you've achieved? Who's the one that gave you the intelligence to be able to, to study and finish your career? Who gave you the drive to keep going even when it was hard? You see, no matter how you try to slice it, everything that we have, ultimately we have received from God. See, we have to understand this, and we have to understand this properly, because if we don't understand properly the way that we have received everything from God, this is going to turn into a burden. Like, you may say, yes, I believe that everything I have, I have received from God. Okay, great. But there's a danger in that, because that idea can turn into a burden, and that burden has two sides to it. One side of the burden is the burden of guilt, and the other side of the burden is the burden of entitlement. And so I want to talk about guilt first, and I'm going to pick on my mother-in-law one more time. So my mother-in-law was the most generous person that I had ever met in my entire life. She was so generous with us, so generous. And this made my wife very uncomfortable because she's, my mother-in-law was like, no, no, I'll pay for that. No, 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 I'll take care of that. And I'm like, just take it. It's free, you know, go for it. And she was like, no, we can't do this. because." And she would always tell my mother-in-law, you know, I can't receive this gift. And sometimes they would get an argument. She's like, no, no, I'm not going to take this. And she would insist. But the, re the result was that my mother-in-law, she ended up many times feeling bad because she really wanted to give her the gift. And by her not receiving it or insisting on not receiving it, she was taking away the joy of my mother-in-law being able to be generous to her. Like, she wanted this for her, and when she would receive it, she was filled with joy. And so there's this side of, of understanding that everything we have we receive from God, there's a side that we, we feel guilty. Like, we're like, no, man, this is just too much blessing. This is too much, like, from God, he's just blessed me so much. But what God wants for us is that the things that we have received, that we have received them for our enjoyment. Like, there's an aspect of that, too. So that's the guilt part. But then there's another side that's the entitlement part, which is where like, oh, God owes me. 
You know, yeah, I know everything I have received from God is from God, but he actually like owes me. And I got to declare it and I got to proclaim it and I got to take this because this is mine, right? And so we have to be careful with these two sides of understanding that everything we have received, we have received from God. So it's not guilt and it's not entitlement. Everything that we have, again, we have been given by God for our enjoyment. 1 Timothy 6.17 says this, and Ecclesiastes 5.19, our health, our family, our resources, our food, all these things that God has given to us, receive those with enjoyment, with gratitude, and enjoy those things. You see, it's not guilt, because if it's guilt, you will never enjoy the blessings that God has given you. And if it's entitlement, hey, guess what? It will never be enough. And so it's both sides. We have to understand that. And so I want to talk to you in the few minutes that I have left here that the lesson that we learn is in the story that we just heard about the ten lepers. There's just something about these biblical stories that are so beautiful and that have allowed for these stories to stand the test of time. It's because not only were they true historically, but they're also true in a truer sense in the, in, in the reality of what we can extract from them on the day-to-day. Ten lepers, right? No hope. Sentenced to death, you know. They had, they had nowhere to go. They were hopeless, right? Sound familiar? Before we met Jesus, hopeless, right? And so he, he, he goes to these ten lepers. and they, I'm sorry, they come to him. Um, and the interesting thing about this is so interesting. Do you guys realize that there is absolutely no record of him actually healing them? Have you guys noticed that in, that in the Scripture? He actually doesn't do anything according to the Scripture. He says, he says you know, they're, hey, you know, help us, help us, help us. He's like, go show yourselves to the priests. And what he says is that as they went, they started to be healed. That's pretty amazing when you think about it. And so I was thinking about this, and this is kind of a side note, is that many of you here possibly are expecting or praying for God to do a miracle in your life. And he may do a miracle in your life, but it is also possible that he's not going to do the miracle that you're expecting, but he is inviting you to walk into a process And in that process, he's going to begin healing you. And he's going to begin doing the things that he needs to do in your life. I don't know who that's for, but I hope that was helpful to somebody. And so he says, came back praising with a loud voice. This is the one leper, right? How many lepers did he heal? Ten. How many came back to give thanks? One. One. Okay. Are you the nine or the one? Are you the nine or the one? Are you living a life of, of gratitude? You see, you see... The healing was available to all ten, but only one came back to thank him. When Jesus died, 1 John 2, 2, 1 John 2, 2, he is the beginning, sorry, he is the anointing sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the world. So he makes this salvation and this spiritual healing available to all creation. I need to listen to Tony more because he told me that there's a, there's a way here to, to make her be quiet. Okay, hopefully she won't interrupt again. I was going to say something bad, but I had to hold back. See, that's, then we lost all train of thought. Um, so so what are you, you going to be? Are you, are, you the, are you the nine or are you the one? Verse 17, Jesus asked, we're not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? 
1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances. You see, this is the calling for, for this morning, is that you will, be a, you will have an attitude of gratitude. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I love that gratitude is a mandate here. He says, be thankful, not for everything, right? Hey, thanks that my you know, dad has cancer. No, that doesn't make any sense. You don't thank him for everything. You thank him in everything. Because in spite of what I'm going through, you're still good and you're still here, okay? Why? Because even when things are bad, listen to this. Even when things are bad, even when things are bad, some of you guys here, you're going through it right now. You're going through it. Even when things are bad, Jesus still rose from the dead. We still have hope. We still have a future. We still have joy. We still have peace. We still have acceptance. We still have forgiveness. We still have a second chance. Still. We still have that. You see, gratitude allows for us to see things the way they really are. We are 100% dependent on God. Let's just take a breath here. Oh, that was a gift. The second one, who knows? Let's give it another try. Breathe again. That breath wasn't promised to you. That was another gift. Everything that you have, you have received from God. Living a life of gratitude breaks the power of guilt because you can receive what God gives you for your enjoyment. That's fine. It also breaks the power of entitlement because all that God actually promises to us is a salvation that he bought for us on the cross. Everything on top of that is a gift upon gift. So we can be grateful now. We can live a life of gratitude. You see, I think, I feel really weird quoting Prince. I'm not quoting Prince. I'm just remembering what he said. He says, who are you going to be, right? Like, really? Are you, gonna, are you a giver or are you a taker in life? Someone once said, you're not what you have. You are what you give. And I'm going to close with this. We had a celebration of life yesterday. Uh, Odalis Thompson. And there were just person after person after person after person that would come down to this stage and was just ex- talking about how generous of a person she was. So many, we had to stop. We, it was a two-hour service. We usually go 45 minutes. It was two hours, person after person after person, talking about how generous and selfless she was. We had to continue in the cafe, and people kept sharing their... Um, but she was also the happiest person. You know, she always had a smile on her face. So that generosity of her whole life didn't result in like, oh, I'm just going to do this for God, and this is so hard, but I'm just going to keep going. No, she was so happy. She was the happiest. In every room that she was in, she was the happiest person there, yet she was the most generous. So the invitation to us in living a life of generosity, it's not like, oh, I'm going to do this for God because he asked me to do it, and I just got to do what he's going to do. Fine. That's a good, that, that is a good enough reason, by the way, but Jesus says, you will be more blessed. You will be happier by living your life as a giver than as a taker. And this is exactly what Jesus modeled for us. Jesus gave it all. 
So here's the challenge for this week. I want you to think about this. Be a little bit more generous with your time. Maybe that person that annoys you a little bit, give them one more minute of your time. Maybe be a little bit more generous with your finances. Maybe tip a little bit more. Maybe share a little bit more with someone. Maybe um, be more generous with your prayers. I don't know. Take it a step further. And if the result of you being more generous this week is that now you're more miserable than you were, then this, the, the Bible doesn't, like, it's not true. Like, it's just sorry for wasting your time, okay? But I have a strong suspicion that the result of you being more generous this coming week, you're going to realize, I'm actually happier now. Like I, like, I feel like I was created to live this way. Why don't I do this more often? Why don't I live an open life of generosity. So what I want us to do now is uh, if we can just close our eyes here for a minute. I'm going to say a few things and then we're going to pray. Because maybe you're here this morning and, and life is just hard right now. And it's hard to even wrap your mind around the concept of being generous and understanding all, the, all these things. Maybe you're here and you're having trouble even just keeping up with yourself. And on the challenges of life, let alone be generous, who has time for that? Maybe you're here and that's kind of where your mindset is. I want to remind you what Jesus said. It is more blessed. You will be more happy by focusing on others than focusing on yourself. You will feel better at the end of the day. So I want to invite you this morning to think about this. And to take a counterintuitive step this week when you're focusing on yourself and helping yourself, which is normal and it's natural, that you'll focus on looking outside of your circle and looking at someone else and wondering how you can help them. This is the way of generosity. Lord God, we thank you for these moments that we share. We thank you for your love and your mercy and your presence. We thank you for your generosity with us. You've, you've given it all for us. So as we think about this, God, I pray that you will allow for us to, to connect with the Almighty, connect with you, and that our lives will be an outflow of the generosity that you've bestowed upon us through your son, Jesus. We pray this and we thank you. In Jesus' name.